0: It's the remix. Now O'Reilly comes down the middle, dropped it off for a shot, block, rebound, score. Too many chances for the Blues, yeah. and they finally cash in. Brandon son follows it up, and it's a 1-1 tie, three minutes into the second.
1: Started off with
0: Tyler Bischoff from ESPN Radio. Needing additional help, Petrangelo protects it to center, then gave it away. Blues coming back in with 3-on-0. Cairo in front, score! Tarasenko, two to one Blues. Bishy, Bishy. Blues instead, Thomas ahead, looking toward the empty net, feeds the middle, score.
2: The goal for Ivan Barbashev, who had been robbed earlier on a breakaway by Robin Leonard. Empty net goal, makes it three to one St. Louis with a minute 12 left in the third. You think I like the shootout? The middle off of Vegas stick with two, with one,
0: with zero. Final score: Blues three, Knights one. You know, for the believers out there, thanks for sticking with us. I know, you know, there were some doubters out there after the last game, but but uh, I knew our group would would respond with a real good effort, and uh, we did that tonight. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Ed is gone for the rest of the show, and to go out to get tested for Raiders practice to be allowed to attend that um jared i have a question for you should i know who jim belushi is i'm gonna actually say no you should know who john belushi is oh boy uh jim belushi cranked the siren at the golden knights game well it would be hard
1: for john belushi (laughs) because he's
0: dead uh who is jim
1: belushi he's john belushi's brother who is John Belushi? John Belushi was one of the funniest people to ever live. He was one of the original people on SNL. He was a he was a member of the Blues Brothers. Uh, he was in Animal House. He died very young.
0: What is Blues Brothers? Is that a movie? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I've heard of Animal House. I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Okay. You need to probably watch both of those films. Because I, Blues Brothers is delightful. Yeah. Jim Belushi cranked the sirens. saw a lot of tweets about it. Didn't know who that was, assumed he He was an actor. It would be sort of like, I don't, it would be sort of like if your
1: brother started doing a sports radio show that was much worse than yours (laughs) after you passed away. (laughs) Okay. Like he's, he's what is Jim Belushi in? Do you know what Jim Belushi is in? He was in a movie where he teamed up with a dog. Uh that I believe is called K9. I would have to go I'd have to go double check. And then he had a TV show called According to Jim.
0: See, when I saw him, I was like, That's a sitcom dad. Yeah, that's that was my first thought when I saw him. I was like, that looks like a guy that plays his dad in a sitcom. Yeah, I think that's that's about the level of fame he could Alright. I'd do it. That'd be a great job to have. Sitcom dad? Be a wonderful job. Right. All right. So there's Jim Belushi. Now, more importantly. This is so... There's going to be one guy on Twitter It's just like, he's actually really good. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's probably Jim Belushi. Uh, so, interesting last night beyond the actual game for the Golden Knights. The announced attendance was 17,690. Uh, thanks to Sinbin.Vegas for looking this up. That's the lowest attended Golden Knights game, with the exception of the pandemic last year, since December of 2017. So, if you recall the first year of the golden knights The team was they were they were good from the start but it really took until about december january for people to really catch on and for everyone to be like oh wow this team is for real this team is legitimate and that's when it really took off like there was a very good strong fan base but it became like insane around january of 2018 so December 2017 was the only time or the last time the Golden Knights had a crowd less than 17,690 people. Uh, Alan Snell of LV LB, LB Sports Biz tweeted out that there were tickets on the secondary market for $19 less than 30 minutes before puck drop. Now, obviously, 30 minutes before puck drop is kind of tough for you to get down there. But $19, you could have gone to a Golden Knights game last night for $19 a ticket. Uh, I know uh, that Adam Hill was tweeting about it. Ed told me before he left that they saw secondary market tickets that were under 50 bucks. They were in the lower bowl. Uh, so you could have had good seats for less than $50. Now, this has been one of the hottest tickets in the NHL. Over the last three seasons, pre-pandemic, the Golden Knights tickets, it was insane if you wanted to go to a game, even if it was a random weekday against a team nobody cared about. The Blues are a decent team, so that's not quite like the Ottawa Senators coming in here or something like that. But even if you wanted to go to a Tuesday game against Ottawa, it still was going to be expensive. It still was a tough ticket to get. But now things might be different. And here's what's interesting, because there's a lot of things that could potentially be... A factor here. Obviously, the Golden Knights didn't have a very popular offseason when they traded away Marc-Andre Fleury. There's a lot of people that were mad about that. I doubt that there's a drop in attendance and a drop in secondary ticket prices because Marc-Andre Fleury is gone. You do have the Raiders here, right? There are more sporting events. There are more sports to care about the NHL, even though this city has absolutely adopted it. The NHL is certainly down the pecking order in terms of what sports most sports fans care about. I still don't think that's it. Maybe if we had a head-to-head game where the Golden Knights and Raiders were both on a Sunday, maybe we could make that argument, but I don't think there's any reason a random Wednesday night game is drawing less because the Raiders are in town. You also have a team that who's playing for them, right? Like their two of their best players are out. Like there's not, it's not exactly a great lineup. I don't think that has much to do with it, but maybe there might be some people that say, eh, do I really want to go watch him play when it's Brett Howden and Nick Waugh playing a whole bunch of minutes, whatever, blah, 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 right? What I think is fascinating here is the pandemic side of this, and maybe more importantly, the way the Golden Knights handled this. Mark Davis and the Raiders did something uh, that was pretty impressive and pretty bold. They decided they were going to have a vaccination mandate at their games. Because in Clark County, we have a mask mandate. And the only way to get around any sort of mask mandate is to have a vaccination mandate. Where if you can say, hey, everybody is vaccinated, you can go in and nobody has to wear a mask. Now, Mark Davis did this for a couple of reasons. One of them was because they had a couple events at Raider Stadium, the Gold Cup that I went to. And there was basically no way to actually enforce the mask mandate. You just you just can't do it. And the Golden Knights did not follow their lead. The Golden Knights decided we're going with a mask mandate because we're not going to require people to get vaccinated. Uh, Alan Snell tweeted this out. Nice work by the Golden Knights camera guys and Jumbotron showing fans not wearing masks inside the arena. Ushers told me that fans dish out verbal abuse when asked to wear masks or... They just pay no attention to the ushers. Yep. It is an impossible thing to enforce unless you are physically going to grab people and throw them out of your event
1: genuinely and uh the rebels have kind of have a similar policy. You, oh, yeah, keep the mask on. They also have people holding the sign that are maybe a buck thirty five
0: soaking wet, just right. going, please, please
1: put please. Please pull up your mask.
0: The only way you can actually enforce this is if you are going to grab people and throw them out. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to actually enforce a mask mandate. And that's part of the reason why the Raiders went to the vaccination mandate. And and we're sitting here. And again, it was still over 17,000. It was still a good crowd for the Golden Knights. If they average that for the rest of time... They'd have one of the best attendances or percentage wise in the NHL. There's nothing wrong with what the crowd was last night, but it is again, the first time since December of 2017 that a crowd was that light for a Golden Knights game. So I am curious because I've seen there's a lot of people replying to that Ellen Snell tweet basically saying like, we're not going until there's a vaccination requirement. Right. So I, well, that is surprising. Right. So I am curious in terms of the Golden Knights. Did they mess this up? Like, did they go the wrong direction with this? Should they? Because here's the thing. The Raiders did it. And the Raiders took the blunt of whatever criticism was out there about forcing people to get vaccinated to watch Raider games, right? They were the first ones to do it. Somebody else was already blazing the path. And the Golden Knights did not follow. And it's just, I, I think they they took the wrong path there. They made the wrong decision. And I'm fascinated to see what happens going forward with their attendance, right? Does it continue to drop? Do they get down below seventeen thousand for one of these games? Which again, it's still a good number. It's not like it's a bad crowd, but it's just what we're used to. It it's not that. It's over eighteen thousand. It's a sellout building. It's you've got to pay a hundred bucks just to get in. Last night you could have gotten in for nineteen dollars, thirty minutes before the game. So, I think Mark Davis was on the right path here. He made the right decision with his team, and Bill Foley had every opportunity to follow and implement the same thing, and he didn't. And I wonder if we look back and say Bill Foley messed up there. Do you have any – considering
1: like how many people have lost their jobs or don't have as much disposable income due to the pandemic, could that be in any way a factor in the fact that it's like, well, yeah – Last year, I would make a point of seeing, you know, six games a season.
0: And this year, I just, it's, I got to eat. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a fair thing too. And across any attendance of any sports league, sports team, sports league this year, next year, whatever, for a little while, I think that's a fair point because you have, it's not because it's that people financially that have less money now than they would have two years ago, whatever, but also the general safety part of it where people are going to be like, well. I don't want to go because we're still in a pandemic. I don't want to be around that many people. And also the people that are like, well, I'm not wearing a mask, so bleep you. I mean, there's also 700,000 just less people. That too. Yeah, There are not as many people here. It's kind of a problem. So, yeah, I think there is a lot that could factor into this. I do think the Golden Knights would have been better off following the Raiders lead, implementing a vaccination mandate. And going forward from there, I don't think the attendance would be less than it was last night if there was a vaccination mandate in place. I think it would have been perfectly fine. Or what uh, I know the Saints did it, Seahawks did it, I'm sure other teams have done it the vaccine or negative test mandate, where, okay, you don't have to get vaccinated, but you've got to go get a negative test and show that to us to get into the game. when I went to the Seahawks game, it was funny watching a, a lady that was trying to pull out the piece of paper that said she had a negative test to prove she'd get in. But that was the other alternative. I think that's the better option than, Hey, just wear a mask because you cannot enforce the mask mandate. You can't do it. It's, no, it's impossible it's, to do.
1: It's the Iowa state game. And uh, I kind of went ballistic on Twitter about it was laughable. Just not even, it'd be one thing if it was a bunch of guys, like, you know, the how men in their 40s don't seem to understand it goes over the nose,
0: <laughs> or it's, like, on the chin. No, just not even wearing the thing. I mean, at, at the Gold Cup, it was, it was nobody was wearing a mask. It's like, like, do you
1: got your mask? Yeah, it's in my pocket. Yeah,
0: like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a thing that people wore. I mean, it was. I, I went to one of the preseason Golden Knights games as a fan, and... There was basically no enforcement from the ushers that I saw. Most people sitting around us were wearing their masks. So it's not like there was just noncompliance of everybody, but there were people that didn't have them on and there wasn't anybody coming to tell them, Hey, put on your mask. So it's, it's just like, if I was an usher, I wouldn't, I'm an usher. I'm not, I'm not telling, this is hey. part-time work, right? I mean, I'll say, Hey, put your mask on. If they cuss me out, I'm like, have a good day. Like, I'm not like yelling back at that person.
1: I just genuinely like, is there some requirement that an usher be quasi feeble? Yes. Like I have I, so. I not, I'm yet to, of all the events I have attended here in Vegas. I'm like, is there no one muscular? That's like, yeah, I, I,
0: I, sometimes I'm going to, I'll go be an usher. All right. Coming up next. Why is FIFA trying to ruin the world cup?
1: bischoff's briefs
2: dude i'm not gonna cave in end of story dude
1: bischoff's
2: briefs dude 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 dude.
1: bischoff's briefs dude bischoff's
0: briefs i guess you've got a point there good story from the associated press yesterday (laughs) on the world cup So FIFA, by the way, is considering moving the World Cup to every two years instead of the current every four year format. I don't have the strongest opinion on the World Cup being moved every two years. Eh. Like it would feel, I guess, a little bit less special, but I would absolutely watch it every single time and I would enjoy it. Every single time. Like, I don't have any great hatred for it. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people are like, no, it's every four years. It's tradition. You'll make it less special, blah, blah, blah. And I I guess I get it. Like, the World Cup, it's a bigger deal the less it happens. But I'll watch it every two years. I absolutely will. Uh, But the AP got a recording of a meeting between Gianni Infantino, who is the president of FIFA, talking to the heads of soccer federations in Europe, because a lot of European countries, or at least their soccer federations, do not want there to be a World Cup every two years. Now, there's a couple things that came out of this recording and the story, but one of them is possibly the worst idea I have ever heard in the world of sports. Uh, the head of the soccer federation in Portugal is some guy named Tiago, And Gianni Infantino said in this meeting, I welcome the idea of Tiago to say, well, we need more participation, and maybe there is a way of doing that by having two World Cups, but not with the same participating teams. I don't know. This is something that the technical people will study, but this is certainly something that we have to look into. So this idea would be to play the World Cup every two years, And you would have a different group of eligible countries to qualify every two years. So that means in 2024, the United States and Mexico and Brazil and Argentina and China and Japan and Australia are eligible for it, but nobody in Europe or something like that. And then in 2026, two years later... Well, Portugal, France are eligible, but Brazil and Argentina are not. That's not a World Cup. That is not a World Cup. If you take half the countries and say you're not eligible to qualify, that's not a World Cup. You cannot just say, hey, every two years, some other group of countries is not eligible. That's not how this works. That does, You don't get to call that a World Cup anymore. I mean, isn't that just literally CONCACAF? It's, well, no, CONCACAF, everybody in this damn region is eligible. No, but I'm saying, like, the
1: region, like, it's just you're literally doing, you're picking and choosing. All right, these guys Well, the guys way are...
0: they would do it is they would make half of Europe ineligible every year. Half of South America ineligible every the two years. The half CONCACAF. Right. It'd be, it's not a World Cup. If you sit here and tell me right now like because there's a scenario where the number 1 ranked country in the world is not eligible for the World Cup and you're going to sit here and tell me that's a World Cup? No. That is that's one of the dumbest ideas you could possibly have. How could you have a World Cup and you rule out half the countries? That is so stupid. It's the dumbest thing and here's the worst part about it. It stems from this idea that they need more participation, which I read as though, hey, we need different teams in the World Cup every year. We don't want to have the same countries in the World Cup. Listen, Portugal or whatever country is worried about this, then qualify for the World Cup. Get a better team. Be better at the sport if you're worried about not qualifying for the World Cup. Right? The United States didn't qualify for the last World Cup. You know what we've spent the last three years talking about? Hey, this team needs to be better at the sport. We're not sitting around saying, hey, CONCACAF needs more spots in the World Cup. No, we need to be better at this damn sport to get in. Hell, it should be easy enough for it is. Look at the countries, man. We got to beat Panama. We lost to Trinidad and Tobago. We're sitting around saying, how the hell do we get better at beating Trinidad and Tobago? Not how do we get more spots for CONCACAF? It's the most ridiculous thing I've heard. To have a World Cup where half the countries aren't eligible and the reason for it is oh well we might not be good enough to make it sometimes. Hold on but what you what you're
1: forgetting is FIFA is a non-profit they're technically a charity so what they really are trying to do is they're trying to help everyone out
0: Yeah good luck Luxembourg
1: Pretty sure uh, pretty sure they're the only charity that I know of that has a like retainer of a billion dollars
0: just in case they need so they need a billion dollars How you tell people you don't make profit you just yeah this is all savings Now, beyond that dumb idea, beyond what might be the worst idea I've ever heard in sports, uh, Infantino, the president of FIFA, he made uh, another pretty bad argument. He is, I'll just read the quote first. I believe as well that the enemy of football is not the World Cup. It's not FIFA, but it is other activities that young boys and young girls are running after today. And we need to see how jointly and together we can bring them back to being interested in football. And we want to, as far as I'm concerned, do this all together as we have been doing in the last few years. So this is the argument that we hear about baseball in the United States, that the youths, aren't interested in baseball because it's too long and there are other things. Their attention span is not long enough for a baseball game. Soccer might be the greatest sport in the world because of how short it is.
1: Every yeah, single like game, commercial,
0: it's two hours and there's a halftime. And that is the only time they go to commercial. You get 45 minutes of soccer. There's a halftime. Sure. There's some commercials. Then you get 45 more minutes of soccer and the game's over. This isn't. Listen, I love playoff baseball. It's one of the most fun things to watch. These games take four plus hours. It's a nightmare, right? It's like I got to block off maybe five hours of my day to sit down and watch a playoff baseball game. It's brutal, right? It's a lot of fun. I enjoy it, but it's brutal scheduling wise. Soccer's two hours, right? And sure, even in the World Cup, when you get to the knockout stages, they can go to extra time, right? It's two and a half hours. It's fine. And I'm like, what is he talking about? What are they running to? Like, is he trying to compete with, like, Instagram and TikTok? Or is he trying to compete with other sports? Because there aren't other sports that are better than soccer for attention span, right? Nobody's running to baseball because, oh, I can't watch this soccer anymore. Like, hell, the NBA's talked about it being a problem, too. No. Listen, Listen, if people aren't willing to sit down And watch your two-hour soccer game. Playing the World Cup every two years isn't going to fix that. That is not an answer to that. Now, they've talked in the past about uh, stopping the clock and eliminating stoppage time. So, like, the ball goes out of bounds, you stop it. And making it, instead of a 90-minute clock, it's like a 45-minute clock or something like that. Whatever the time is that you actually have a soccer game or the soccer ball's in play. They've talked about that, which might work that might shorten the games and might make it a little bit more interesting a little bit more quicker because there's no more time wasting anymore which is the worst part of watching soccer that i could understand as an argument to hey you know a bunch of teenagers don't want to watch our sport because it takes too long and it's not as interesting that i could understand but just that is an argument for playing the world cup every two years if people aren't watching soccer now they're not going to watch it just because you play more games that's not the answer the dumbest arguments I've ever heard. Funniest part about the youth
1: involvement thing is, don't they kidnap kids at like nine years old and send them to academies? They pay them. Okay. The kid those kids get paid. I mean, there's there's money. They don't. All right, them. all right, okay. Yeah. But basically, don't they do that at yes. almost in almost yes. every country that there's, takes this seriously? There's
0: tons of European countries where you'll see a kid playing, and you're like, well, he signed with this team's academy when he was eleven. Yes. Yeah. That happens.
1: So, I don't think that's going away as long as there are poor parents in the world who are like, little, little Timmy can make us some money right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, coming up <laughs> he next. He gets a
1: third-rate education, but a first-rate education
0: in soccer. Ben Goats joins the show.
2: Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Granny's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and let us know who deserves a higher grade. It's the Press Box with Granny and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 a.m. and 100.9 f.m.
0: Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Golds. Good morning, Ben. How are you today?
2: Not too bad. Good morning. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, so just, I guess, the general big picture here, if we, we look ahead, Golden Knights don't have Max Pacioretty for a while, might not have Mark Stone for a little bit as well. How concerning is it when it comes to the playoff race at the end of the year? Like, Are they going to be able to win some games here without these two guys?
2: I mean, that's a really good question. Obviously, you would assume the talent on this team is good enough to let them kind of get through this stretch. I mean, you assume if they kind of play 500 hockey, they'll be in kind of good shape. But this is a tough stretch that they're kind of being thrown into without those guys. They're kind of being pushed into the deep end right away. Obviously, they lost to St. Louis last night after a very porous defensive effort. And, oh, yeah, if they wanted to tighten things up, they have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel, <laughs> the last two hard trophy winners, coming to town tomorrow. So it's not uh, exactly a schedule with a lot of get-right games for a while because even after the Oilers, they got the Islanders, and then they have a very tough back-to-back in Colorado and then in Dallas. I still think this team has too many quality players, especially when you look at the, the blue line and in net to you know, really go into a protracted slump with Stone and patchoretti out of the lineup. But they definitely have a lot of things to correct If They just want to keep their heads above water here until those guys can get back.
0: Did you get the sense that Alex Petrangelo was trying to do too much last night?
2: For the most part, I didn't until that final turnover where he just makes a pass in the neutral zone in the third period to really nobody. It's just kind of to a space that none of his teammates are skating into and Of course, the Blues turn it right over uh, the other way, get it basically a three-on-0 and obviously uh, score. And you could tell he was very upset with himself after uh, the play was over. Other than that, I thought he played a really good game, but that is going to be a tricky balance for him and Chase Theodore to walk because Theodore even admitted before uh, the Blues game, look, like, I'm one of the guys that I think I need to be looked to to kind of step up on offense to make up for the loss of Mark Stone and Max Petriretti, but there's obviously a fine line between uh, being aggressive and being reckless. And the Knights can't afford to be reckless at all right now with kind of the issues that they're likely going to have with their offense for the foreseeable future. So uh, definitely Alex Petrangelo was on the wrong side of the balance for that play. I thought he was for the most part, pretty much on the right side for most of the game. He had a crossbar or hit a crossbar that if that goes in, Obviously, his game is looking a lot differently last night, but that's something that is going to be really tricky for the Knights to balance in the next couple of games is how aggressive can they allow their really talented defenseman to be without allowing too many chances the other way because you know right now they just don't have the firepower to make up for giving a boatload of chances up.
0: If you were Pete DeBoer, would you break up the Carlson line, given that they played really well, but you didn't get a whole lot of production anywhere else in the lineup?
2: I would seriously consider it just because it does feel like you're going to need to spread the wealth at some point just because it didn't seem like a ton of chances came offensively from some of the other lines. Now, you did see some good things. That Petrangelo crossbar chance was actually with uh, the third line on the ice. It was a really nice setup. Uh, from Keegan Kolasar who I thought had a pretty good game. But it's tough because, uh, on the other hand, if you're pizza DeBoer, that line is the only one that's kind of a known commodity for you right now that you feel like you can rely on to get offense through this stretch. He even kind of admitted after last night's game that, look, it's a race to three for the most times in the NHL, and we think we're going to get one goal from that line. We're hoping we get one goal from someone else and we get maybe like a power play goal, and that's kind of the formula that he laid out for the foreseeable future here. So if you know he's relying on, I need one goal from this line, I get why he might be hesitant to break it up, but I'm curious to see which of those other three lines that they rolled out last night, and maybe they get a Matias Janmark back soon to kind of bolster one of them, is going to be able to kind of step up and provide that other goal on a consistent basis for them.
0: If he doesn't break them up, is Evgeny Dadnov going to be the most important player until Stone and Pacioretty get back? Because he is. I mean, they signed him for $5 million. He's one of the higher-paid forwards on the team. Is he going to be one of the more important guys that they need some form of production, even if he's playing with lesser guys uh, for the next few games?
2: Absolutely, 100%. I mean, this is a guy, when they traded for him from Ottawa, uh, general manager, Kelly McCrimmon, said their pro scouting staff viewed him as, I believe, quote, an engine on a line, you know, basically that this guy was driving offense for his line, that he wasn't just, you know, necessarily a guy that's just finishing off chances, that he's generating chances um, when he's on the ice. Well, the Knights need him to do that with Stone and Patch already out. They need a guy to kind of take charge of one of those other three lines outside of the Misfits. I don't think we saw that last night. I didn't remember a whole lot of uh, dangerous chances being created with Evgeny dadanov on the ice. Uh, and if that continues, the Knights are going to have a really hard time scoring goals at five on five. So he's a guy that's got a big spotlight on him right now. For sure. The team needs him to step up. If they're going to keep their head above water here.
0: So the Pete DeBoer formula there, if they get to three goals and that's your, your shot to win that kind of relies on Robin Leonard being really good every night as well. And I guess do they have no formula to win if Robin Leonard isn't, Awesome because in the past they've been able to overcome some goaltending deficit deficiencies in certain games. But if he's not good enough, like if he has an average game, is that sort of too much for this team to overcome right now?
2: Not unless they really clean up things defensively, because obviously that was the key for them. Even being in the game last night is that Leonard was uh, really unbelievable throughout the entire game. I mean, right now it's hard for the Knights to survive with anybody back there with the way they're playing. I mean, they lead the NHL in scoring chances allowed per 60 minutes and high danger scoring chances allowed per 60 minutes at five on five. Uh, that is just a tough way to live, especially when they're kind of lacking some firepower on offense right now. So they're going to need Robin Leonard to steal some, steal them some games coming up here. There's obviously going to be times where they have the advantage in net. I think even tomorrow, given the fact that Mike Smith is injured and it might be Mikko Kofkinen and that for the Oilers, that's an area that the Knights will have a huge advantage in. And they're going to need him to you know, take advantage of those matchups and really outplay the other starting goaltender in order to pile up some points here unless they can really figure out their kind of defensive zone structure and tighten things up because uh, so far through three games, uh, they've been way too loose and that's a very dangerous game that they're playing asking their goaltender to basically be outstanding every night to give them a chance.
0: Alec Martinez played through the postseason last year with a broken foot. So how many bones did he break last night since he didn't come back in?
2: I was, it's going to be really <laughs> tricky. I mean, Pete Sabore <laughs> essentially said after the game, you know that if he goes out and doesn't return, that it's something serious. And it even took a while for Martinez to go back into the locker room. He was on the bench. Or at least a couple minutes after getting tripped uh, in the corner of the offensive zone or defensive zone there by Clem Coptin. And it was kind of, you know, seemed to be negotiating with the training staff of, you know, Hey, can you work through it? Can you push through it? I think he tried to test it out a couple times and put pressure uh, on his leg and decided he couldn't do it and had to go back to the locker room. So you would imagine that uh, it definitely, you know, something that uh, is not just necessarily minor. I mean, we'll see, obviously we'll see after practice today, what the update is, but that is a guy that can play through a lot of pain as we saw last postseason, as we saw all last regular season when he led the NHL and block shots by 40. Uh, and that's obviously one of the last things that Knights wanted to see last night with uh, given the deficiencies that they already have with all their injuries and guys uh, out of the lineup.
0: Important question. You tweeted a few days ago that uh, you got Bailey Schultz hooked on Ted Lasso last night. How did you get her hooked on Ted Lasso? How hard of a sell was that?
2: Luckily, it was not that hard because there were so many people like pushing her into it. So that was good. Uh, you know, Justin Emerson, also of the Nice Beat, was really helpful. He was in my corner. He was the one that actually got me into Ted Lasso. Shout out to Justin giving me uh, his Apple Plus password briefly <laughs> so I could uh, watch the first season. And I watched the first season, loved it. And then luckily, uh, I was able to pressure my fiance into doing it as well. And now she loves it. So I'm very excited. Uh, that's probably on the docket uh, tonight that we get through more of season one.
0: <laughs> Hold on. Are you guys still stealing Justin Emerson's password? You can actually get Apple plus yourself.
2: No, we got the free trial now. So we're wow. good. We figured it out. You know, now that uh, he's a parent, I feel a lot worse about <laughs> mooching off for him, off of him <laughs> because he's got a small human already doing that. So we figured it out on our own, but he did to get me
0: started well he is ben goats from the review journal ben as always we appreciate it
2: yeah no problem
0: you want some credit jared
1: i'm just saying i'm just saying i talked to you about it and then you
0: finally watched it once adam candy decided to watch it too listen you were not the only person yelling at me to watch ted lasso adam candy was not the only person yelling at me to watch ted lasso literally everyone i know was like you like soccer
1: not even a soccer I show know. i know
0: it's just delightful i have not watched the second season did you You told me that they're done they're all out yeah uh, so, the whole second right. season's out. i was waiting for them all to come there, out so
1: there is genuinely there's a christmas episode which is kind of weird but it's british kind of so there's always a christmas episode spoilers My, what are you doing i'm not telling you I don't anything. trust but,
0: you i don't trust you not to tell me anything
1: that's okay not important. okay well uh, what i was gonna say is there have been times where I've gone over to my parents' house and I checked, like, the stream. And it's like they've rewatched the Christmas episode of Ted Lasso for the fifth
0: time. Yeah, Sounds worth it. Sounds worth it. All right, here we go. We've got a pair of tickets to go to Seltzerland Saturday, October 23rd at Angel Park Golf Club. Spend the afternoon tasting 30-plus unique hard Tickets are to 39 bucks at eventbrite.com, but we've got a pair for free right now. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number five at 702-364-1100. we got a pair of tickets to go out to Las Vegas Seltzerland.
2: Are stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know 702 720 4678. I was good for five and I sucked for one. Just, I had to leave everything out there. I told myself coming into this game I had a job to do and obviously didn't get it done, but I left my nuts out there on that mound tonight, that's for damn sure. If this goes to Game Seven, could you pitch again? Not as a starter, but I'll pitch tomorrow if I have to. I, I got, I got nothing else going on for the next six months. You're locked in the press box.
1: That was Chris Sale. Chris Sale's great. I mean, he's not. Everything I've read about him, he's he's kind of problematic. But he's. uh, I left
0: my. I'm not even sure where I was allowed to play that technically, but I'm playing it. You left him out on the field. And he's got nothing going on for six months, so. He probably should go get them. Yeah, probably. Probably should go get them. Congratulations to Jay. Jay won a pair of tickets to go to Las Vegas Seltzerland. Now, as an Astros fan, I think my favorite part about the Astros still being good is the anger of opposing fan bases. So we talked about earlier in the show. That the Boston Red Sox radio broadcast was accusing Framber Valdez of cheating last night because he kept touching his head while he was pitching, uh, even though Framber Valdez was just most likely wiping sweat off his forehead. Listen, I'll say this. If any pitcher is still using a foreign substance while the umpires are checking them when they walk off the mound, they deserve it. Like, you just got to accept it and say, yep, they got it. Like, they got away with it. Like you just have to accept it. It's if, like holding in in football. Like you probably come on. It's like you just got to accept it. But oh man, this is such a great tweet. Uh, just a random Red Sox fan named Pat O'Donnell tweeted into a radio show in Boston. Picture of Dusty Baker, and it says, "I used to work for Fitbit. Dusty has a Charge Three on his left wrist in this picture. You can receive text and definitely have it vibrate if a fastball is coming." Oh,
1: my God.
0: (laughs) This is what I love so much. This is now. Now, granted, no Red Sox player has done this, but the last series, the Astros beat up on the White Sox and Ryan Tepera, one of their relievers, came out and said, well, Astros are up to some sketchy stuff at Minute Maid Park. You could see we shut them down, even though they scored six runs in the game. You could see we shut them down tonight here in, in Chicago. And now in this series, the Red Sox radio crew and now just random fans are accusing the Astros of cheating. And it's the greatest thing. The Astros win and nobody can just handle the fact that the Astros won. It's that, oh, well, from Bervaldez, how did he throw a one uh, eight innings, one run? Well, he must be using some sticky stuff. Hey, how'd the Astros score a bunch of runs? Well, Dusty Baker, the 72-year-old, is getting alerts on his Fitbit and then relaying that to the batters before they hit. Oh, it's probably so great. Probably his wife texting him. Oh, oh, you look like you're
1: falling asleep, honey. <laughs> okay.
0: If I, okay, I have a dad who is not 72 years old who had to call me the other day because his Wi-Fi was out, right? And I just told him to unplug his router and plug it back in and it would probably reset and work, right? Like, those are the types of things I have to go help him with. Set up his printer, right? These are the things. He's not in his 70s. If the plan to steal signs involves a man that's 72 years old getting text messages on a Fitbit, if that's what you come up with to steal signs, you deserve it.
1: Yeah, let him steal signs. If
0: there's a 72-year-old man that can get text messages on his wrist and can find a way to tell his hitters what's coming, you you just have to live with Did that. Did
1: the hitters even look at Dusty Baker when <laughs> they... they're in the box?
0: <laughs> somebody so tweeted. So, Dusty
1: is relaying this to, like, what, the the, the, the third or, or the first base uh, coach?
0: Somebody uh, <laughs> tweeted. He moves his toothpick to tell him what pitch is coming <laughs> Some of these have to be trolling. Well, that one was a joke. I'm assuming this is just a random But The Boston fan who said I used to work for Fitbit, he tweeted it into a radio show in Boston. Now, I wasn't listening to Tucker and Rick in Boston. Those do do not sound like guys to hang out with. But I'm assuming here that... Tucker and Rick from Boston. Yeah, that they were being serious. It's... uh, it's incredible. The cheaters,
1: I, folks. The I, cheaters.
0: Oh, it's so great. And I'll be honest with you. As an Astros fan, I kind of hope they're still cheating. God. I kind of hope they still are. Also, it, think about being a Boston fan and accusing anybody
1: of cheating. Especially with
0: something on your wrist. Because that's what they did. The Red Sox got caught using Apple Watches to steal signs.
1: Oh, that's see, what they I were was going doing. Patriots.
0: Yeah, whatever. Still the same thing. They were using Apple Watches. Okay. The Houston Astros the most criticized team for stealing signs, rightfully so, not saying they they don't deserve it, rightfully so. If the Houston Astros walked into the 2021 season and said, you know what? We're going to steal signs again illegally. That's one of the ballsiest moves in the history of sports. And we're sitting here with two games left in the ALCS, hopefully only one, if they still haven't gotten caught doing it. What the hell is
1: the rest of baseball doing? What if they were stealing signs like the old-fashioned way? The the Ed Graney, they're tapping their chest and their head. There's a guy on second? Yeah, that's yeah. fine. They're and just... No, no and then they're like, well, they're tapping their chest out there!
0: <laughs> God, it's so great. God, I hope they win the World Series. It's going to be the funniest I hope, thing.
1: I hope they... I'm starting to hope they lose to the Dodgers in the World Series, and it comes out the Dodgers have been stealing. Oh, man.
0: I... I God, I hope they win the World Series. It's gonna be one of the greatest things I've ever witnessed. Like, oh, I could not have picked a better team to be a, to be my favorite team. Like, oh, they got caught cheating and now everybody hates them. It's incredible. The perfect team for me.